You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Beyond the Game. Hello and welcome again to Beyond the Game. I am Kendall Gammon, your host. And as always, we talk about life off the field and life after the career. Uh, joined today by a good friend, uh, Chiefs Ring of Honor. You know, the, the the accolades go on and on. We'll get into them, but it's Deron Cherry. Uh, Deron, how you doing, man? Great, Kendall. Doing fine, man. How about you? You know, I'm doing very well. I'm, I'm trying to buck this heat right now. I'm not doing real good about it. I'm just glad that uh probably like you that i'm not out on the field having to deal with it um yeah it's uh can remember these days where you get out there and you just you have no choice some, some people ask me like well i mean do, when it's too hot do you not go outside and just like that might be an option these days but it wasn't back when we were playing yeah there's no option i remember these days uh being up at training camp up at william jewel and we had 30 straight days, one camp of over 105 degrees. And, you know, that wasn't nice. And of course they weren't concerned about the physical part of your yeah. beat for the most part. You know, we went out there at three o'clock in the afternoon practicing, you know, it was just insane. You know, they had some tents up of course, and plenty of water, but yeah, lay three o'clock in the afternoon, 105 degrees. Right. I felt, well, really bad for those offensive linemen because they were losing like 15, 20 pounds of practice. Well, and they got that extra coat on all the time, which is to say that fat layer. That that's not so much the the the, uh, uh, the time anymore, but all the same, you're you're exactly right. Now, for those of you who, uh, if you don't know Duran, that means you're living under a rock. But I just want to go over a few of these uh, things. Played from nineteen eighty one to uh, nineteen ninety one. Uh, you're all pro three times a night and eighty four, eighty six, eighty eight. You're on the all decades team in the eighties. Pro Bowl uh what, six times, uh second team all pro uh, twice. And um I mean it, it, it's amazing to me because some people or a lot of people don't realize this all from a guy who uh uh came in as a punter. Yeah. Yeah that's that's the amazing story behind it is um, you know, they always, the old adage is, it's not where you start, it's where you finish. And yeah, yeah started as a punter coming in with the Chiefs and fortunate enough that Coach Marv Levy gave me an opportunity to play safety um, when I came in as a rookie as well as punt. Um, he didn't have to do that, but right. that decision kind of changed the course of my life. Um drastically because it gave me an opportunity to, to play safety and to prove to them that I, I was capable of, you know, handling the position considering the fact that that particular year when I came in, they had drafted three safeties. So um, there was an opportunity there for someone. And uh, I thank God that um, when I called him and asked him, could I come back in and work at the safety position as well as punt coach Levy said, you know, said yes you know had he said no you know i may not be here with you right now kendall to be honest with you but he said yes and i know that the good lord was looking down on that decision because it it entirely changed my life you know it's interesting you talk about that we parallel a little bit in terms of the fact of you know being i was an offensive lineman but also a long snapper in the nfl and if i couldn't long snap i never would have played and I didn't love snap until my third year of college, and the coach caught me screwing around and realized I could do it. And uh, 
I wanted no part of it. But obviously, like you said, sometimes you know, sometimes other people recognize the uh, the 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 skills and the talents in you, or you recognize them, but it takes somebody else to give you that chance. Now, we we talk about life off the field. I'm curious. I mean, you asked to come in. Was this always a thought process for you that, okay, I, I could do this uh, from the safety side of things as well? Well, I wouldn't say, I mean, it wasn't until I got to training camp or mini camp at, at that time when I signed right. that I realized that, you know, yeah, there was an opportunity there because I was watching these guys perform, the ones that were drafted. Other than Lloyd Burris, who was a third-round draft pick, and mm-hmm. he was really good. The other two guys, I think one was drafted in the fifth round and another one in the seventh round. You know, Kendall, I just felt like, you know, I had the ability that I was capable of playing that position just as well or even better than all of them, to be quite frankly with you. So when um, Frank Gantz was the special teams coach at the time and he wanted to change my punting style, I kind of knew that. You know, I better do something real quick because the handwriting was on the wall. You know, you just don't change and learn how to punt all over again since you've been doing it since you were a little kid, you know, and then changing from a two and a half step to a two step is mm-hmm. a drastic change, especially when you get to that level. And so I was sitting home one time just thinking when I got my letter to come back to training camp. It was like to report three days before when I was supposed to come back in like two weeks with everybody else. So I kind of right. knew the handwriting was on the wall. So I said, hey, let me let me call Coach Levy and see if I can come back in and play in the secondary. And, you know, thankful for him. He said yes. And, um, you know, that changed the direction of my career, you know, forever. You know, it's really interesting. So um, um, some of the many things that I do, one is the assistant to the president uh, at Pittsburgh State University. And all the time people ask me about, you know, Division Two, and can you play there? And do you get do you get seen? Do you get scouted? And I always say, listen, if you could, if you can play, the NFL will find you. But you know, that wasn't the case with you. I mean, I, I just don't get how you could have slipped through the cracks uh, that way at the safety position, considering what you accomplished there on. I mean, I don't, it's not a case of late bloomer, is it? I mean, you literally were looked over, it would seem. Yeah, and, and that's true. When I came out of college at Rutgers, um, you know, I was a strong safety in college, and, and I punted too as well. And I was fortunate, you know, take a trail who was um, um, our linebacker coach. Um, he was our defense coordinator at Rutgers. He wound up leaving my senior year, after my senior year, and he took a linebacker position coach with uh, Marv Levy on his staff. And so, you know, he knew about me. Nobody else did, but he did. So he was the guy that was in there fighting for them, for them, the Chiefs at the time, to, you know, hey, sign him as a free agent. You know, if you don't draft him, sign him as a free agent punter. You know, they were looking for punters at that time. The Chiefs were. But – Thankfully for me, they were looking for defensive backs, too. So that was something else I could do. So having my defensive coordinator, who was a linebacker coach there, you know, easily opened up that door where he could go talk to Marv Levy. And Marv Levy, he could say, hey, give him a chance. He was a three-year starter. You know, he made a lot of plays. Let's give him an opportunity. And and I think that helped uh, sway Marv Levy's decision. So... It's all a matter of, you know, right. having people in the room talking about you when you're not there, right? And you, you're exactly right. He's talking about you the right way, uh, quite yes. honestly, uh, yes. for sure. Okay, so 
you and I know as well as anybody uh, the NFL and getting to this, this side of it. It, it. it takes a healthy ego and it takes a like confidence, uh, and then that confidence uh, it can be shaken sometimes early on as you get in there and you're around people. But at what point in time, or was there a point in time you can remember that you're like, okay, I, I really belong here? And, I mean, was it farther on in your career? Was it during that training camp? Well, it was early on, you know, during that training camp. Uh, you know, I felt confident, you know, when I saw the other guys and, you know, I was, um, you know, playing and, and doing well at training camp that first year, um, you know, as a secondary player. Um, and as camp kept going on, I kept getting more opportunities, more reps, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, back then, you know, you're getting, you know, it's only a 45 man roster. Yeah. So yeah, every right. game counts, every preseason game counts, every practice counts. And so when I noticed that those guys, you know, two of the later round safeties that I think the team was dependent on, they wind up cutting them. And then I was still around till the last cut day. Um, you know, I was, I was pretty confident that I had made the team, you know, then, mm -hmm. you know, on a 45 man roster, you usually keep, you know, seven defensive backs. And that particular year was um, was crazy because the Chiefs had drafted two tight ends, both one in the first round and one in the third round. They had three third-round picks that year. And so Willie Scott was the first-round pick. Marvin Harvey was the third-round pick. And neither one of them were ready to play. They had Al Dixon, who was the starting tight end from the year before, and then Ed Beckman, who was the tight end, but he was the special teams captain. And so they um, didn't want to get rid of all four, four tight ends, and nobody keeps four tight ends on a roster. Right. And so, you know, I had made it all the way through the last preseason game. You know, I was actually came in Monday morning because we were going to play in Pittsburgh. It was the opening game, and I was heading back to the East Coast. My family is from New Jersey, so they were going to come up to the game. I thought I had made the team. And um, right before practice, you know, they called me upstairs and said, hey, we got to keep four tight ends, but we got to let you go. So I was the last player cut that year. And, uh, you know, I went home and uh, went and spent some time with my college roommate. And um, that Sunday night after the game, the Chiefs had upset the Steelers. One of the defensive backs got injured. They called my mom, and she called me and said, hey, they got a ticket waiting for you to fly back to Kansas City on Monday um, because somebody got hurt. So I was on a plane back to Kansas City. I get in, go to uh, Jim Schaff, who was the general manager at the time, mm -hmm. get to his office, and he tells me when I walk in that uh, the injury wasn't as serious as they thought, so we're, we're not going to be able to sign you. So, Oh, my goodness. I know. Fortunately enough for me that, um, you know, Gary Green and Gary Barbaro and those guys, they were, you know, just tremendous for me. And uh, especially Gary Green, he let me stay with him. You know, he had a two bedroom apartment. He says, hey, you can stay in, in, in the other bedroom and you can drive me to practice. That way you'll have a car. And uh, I wow. mean, you know, for those guys to do that for me, you know, that was that was amazing. And that's kind of shaped me a little bit, you know, to be able to give back a lot uh, is what I do uh, because um, 
of what those guys did for me. You know, they didn't have to do that. Gary Green didn't have to provide me with his yeah. extra spare bedroom or his car to get back and forth and go work out while they were at practice. And, and so I was there for a week and the chiefs called me back in and said, Hey, if nothing happens, we're going to have to let you go. And so that next week there were a couple of guys that got injured and then they signed me right away. So. That's amazing. Okay. Um, we are going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to get into uh, your mindset after being cut and coming back and everything going on. Uh, we'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. What is up, Chiefs Kingdom? We've got to interrupt today's podcast to tell you about our friends at Factor. And with the busy season just around the corner, school's starting up, football's starting up, sports are starting back up for this season. You might be looking for some wholesome, convenient meals for these jam-packed days. And Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up with fresh, chef-preferred, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Too busy with your end-of-summer goals to cook but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping and the prepping and the cleaning up while still getting the flavor and the nutritional quality that you need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy to get back to crushing your goals. Refresh your healthy habits without missing a beat. You can choose from 34 weekly flavor-packed, dietitian-approved meals ready to eat in just two minutes. And then you can level up as well with their Gourmet Plus options prepared to perfection by chefs ready to eat in record time. Treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. I put in an order with Factor. I got a chef's choice, so I'm excited to see what they send me there with uh, Factor. So here's what you got to do. You got to head to factormeals.com slash KCSN50 and use code KCSN50 to get 50% off. That's code KCSN50 at factormeals.com slash KCSN50 to get 50% off. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back with Duran Sherry. Okay, Duran, you you set it up and you talked about thinking you made the team, but then you're cut and you come back and and you're with Gary Green. It's back and forth a little bit. Can you can you? I mean, the one thing that almost every player has to deal with through their career is they're cut at sometimes, and and this is, has nothing to do with on the field in terms of how your mindset is and how you deal with things once that happens. Um, for you, uh, can you describe it? Do you remember it? Um, yeah. What were you thinking when you got cut and when you came back? Well, of course, I was disappointed. I was upset when I got cut, um, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, I had a lot of um, um, support from teammates that realized that, hey, you can play, you belong in this league. And so when I when I left Kansas City at that time after I got cut, you know, I just kept that in my mind that, you know, eventually they, they were going to call me back because they still only had six defensive backs. And so they were literally a man short at that position. So mm-hmm. uh, I was pretty confident that, you know, they would probably give me a call. They told me to stay ready. So um, it didn't take long. So I was home that weekend and, you know, they called me back, you know, right after the game that Sunday night, but they didn't sign me until a week later. But my mentality was um, was always positive because I think my experience in that preseason showed and proved to me that I could play in the league and that I had the tools and the skills to be successful. It was just more um, getting the opportunity. And, and I must say, Kendall, that um, for me, as I mentioned, Gary Green, Gary Barbaro, Eric Harris, Herb Christopher, they, those were the starters when we came in, Lloyd and I. And those guys did nothing but try to prepare us to be pros in this league. From from day one we stepped foot in the Chiefs training camp, those guys were on us to be prepared because they knew that injuries were a part of the game and if right. one of them down, we were going to have to step up and, and, uh, and, and fill in. And, and I can remember this all the time. We would be in those meetings, and Walt Corey happened to be our secondary coach at the time. Oh, wow. And, uh, he'd be asking questions, and me and Lloyd, we'd be looking around, and the younger players and those older guys be looking at us going, y'all need to answer that question. <laughs> you know, y'all got to be ready. You got to be prepared. So they always put that on us. So we we had to go, you know, you had to study. You had to know your stuff. And, you know, the easiest way to get cut is if you don't understand it and learn it right. out on the field and you're making mistakes. Now, every every practice is filmed. So the old adage, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. So they can see everything you're doing. And if you're making mistakes repeatedly over and over again, that means they can't depend on you, that you're not trustworthy. And they don't want anybody out there on the field that's not trustworthy. Not only from a team standpoint, put but from your position standpoint, you know, those guys you're playing alongside of, they got to right. trust that you know what you're doing. And I was a free safety, so the free safety made all the calls on defense. So you had to know when motion came, you had to change right. the cup. All you had to know where everybody was lining up. 
that's a lot of responsibility, but I was able to do that. Um, and, and I think that benefited me a lot more that I could go out there and transfer what I was learning in the, in the meeting room to the practice field and not make mistakes. So I think the team felt confident in me that I could do the job. And then eventually when Gary Barbaro left after my third year, you know, mm-hmm. then I ended up being the starter. That's amazing. And and you mentioned it, that you have to know the plays and everything going on. We, we always talk about the fact, of course, that there's plenty of people on the street who have the talent to play, but it's a yeah. cerebral side of it that's so huge. Talk to me about, um, I'm curious how it's impacted you. And I've got to believe you've thought about this some, but you know, those guys that took you under your wing a little bit, treated you well. I mean, everybody's trying to get a spot. And I've been around several people, and I'm sure you have too, where the veterans, they don't give a rookie the time of day. Yet it sounds like you were treated in a much different way, which I've got to believe had an impact on you. Oh, it, it did. It had a, a lasting impact on me. And I think some of my other teammates like Lloyd Burris and J.C. Pearson, when they, they came yeah. in, um, Trent Bryant was here too. Also, um, you know, it was lasting because we realized that, you know, in order to be a great secondary, mm-hmm. everybody had to know things and you can't, you can't keep things a secret. If you know something that's going to benefit somebody else, especially if it's a younger player, you got to help them. You got to try them because it's only going to make your team stronger. So I learned that from, you know, the Gary Greens and the Gary Barbaros, they were very, very unselfish. And that's why they were all pros. You know, they had the confidence in their ability. They knew what they were capable of doing. And so they were willing to share it. It wasn't like they had to keep all these secrets because there was a threat that the new young guys are going to come in and take my spot. That wasn't the case. It was more about the team first and understanding that in order for us to be great, everybody had to be great at a certain level. So that taught me early on that, you can't rest on your on your accomplishments. You always got to strive to get better and better each week and each year. And and that's what those guys told me. So I was really blessed. I think Lloyd Burris will tell you the same thing. He was blessed mm-hmm. by the fact that we had such a great group of guys that were so unselfish that poured into us the ability to teach us how to be NFL pros. And that meant a lot to me. And and I tried to carry that throughout my career whenever I was um, helping out younger players. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so as you, you move into your, your career, Deron, you have a ton of success. And for those uh, of you out there listening that, that if you don't know Deron or haven't been around him, uh, incredibly humble and just a good person and hold yourself so well. I'm curious how you dealt with things as you moved along, you had the success but the one thing that that never uh, is that is undefeated, as we say, is Father Time. As you get moved farther down your career, some things tend to wane, and, and you you make up with it by experience or how you deal with it. I'm curious, as you moved along in your career, did you notice anything either deteriorating, or did you notice yourself more comfortable? What was your mindset as you moved on towards the middle, and, and got, I guess the the late end of your career as well? Yeah. Well, Kendall, my mindset was always, you know, I wanted to be the best. You know, I w- mm-hmm. if I was going to play and I was going to be, you know, a position player, I wanted to be the best position player I could be. You know, I wanted to put myself in the conversation of being a Hall of Famer. I mean, that's right. that's why we play the game. You, you want to be the best that you can be at your position. And so that's what I focused on. So my mentality every year was, 
if I'm going to, if I ended at a certain level, I've got to improve on that level the next year. I got to be better than I was the year before. So that meant that I had to study more. I had to be more prepared. And if there were areas of, you know, my game that I could improve on, those were the, the focal points for me is like, hey, you can continue to get better. Um, and I think I was able to do that, you know, to go to the Pro Bowl and, you know, six consecutive years, that means yeah. that you, you've got to maintain a, a standard for yourself. And I had high standards for myself. But more importantly, I had high standards, you know, to make sure that my teammates could trust me, that they knew going into every game that they could depend on me to do my job and to help them as much as I could. And so that was my mentality. So over the years, yeah, the experience has a way of taking over in some cases, but more importantly, it's your mentality to believe that you can always get better, that you haven't learned everything there is to learn and that you can achieve. And especially you, you have to have that mentality because as you well know, at times there's always adversity, right? You know, right. I get to my ninth year and, you know, I wind up, um, getting injured, you know, where, you know, I had, you know, my knee hit by my own player, Neil Smith hit me in a game and tears my ACL. So now there's adversity. I'm nine years into the league. I have a knee injury, which was considered very serious at those times, you know, had it been mm -hmm. five or six years prior, you know, they talk about career ending. I was fortunate. I was able to come back from that injury and, and be productive and, um, but, you know, it's late in your career. So, you right. know, you're, you're overcoming a lot, you know, from, from that standpoint. But I was able to make it back and able to continue to play at a high level. You mentioned something that uh, uh, came to mind for me is I always say I know enough to know that I don't know enough. I mean, the, the minute I, I feel like the minute you think you have everything figured out is the minute that you really start to go down. It doesn't sound like that affected you at all. So, okay, we're going to take a quick break. Then I want to talk to you about life uh, after your career. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. All right, we're back with All-Pro Deron Sherry, uh, Chiefs Hall of Famer. Um, okay, Deron, uh, we could go on and on about your career, but we want to talk about life after after that. When, when, you, when you left the game, uh, first and foremost, how did that affect you? Did you have a hard time? Was it easy? I know I thought it was going to be easy. It was so-so. It was We've talked to a few other people on here where uh, you know, it took them a year or so to kind of get their bearings. I'm curious how things affected you to begin with. You know, Kendall, I was, I mean, I was okay. I mean, it, it was definitely as a player, you know, when you've been accustomed to doing something for 11 years of your life, it's got to be right. a change. And the one thing I did, you know, uh, you know, we talk about now, it's a, it's a big thing right now about mental health, right? It's mm -hmm. huge, right? Um, and, you know, you think about it back then, it was like a stigma, you know, you don't go right. By, right. But I realized early on that, you know, that was one of the one of the things that the NFL provided to us and the Chiefs provide to us was an opportunity to have an employee assistance program where you could go and speak to somebody and just kind of put your thoughts out there. And for me, it was like, OK, I'm contemplating whether, you know, how much longer I want to play this game. 
you know, I know I'm capable of playing another three years, but, you know, am I in a position where mentally, if I decided to walk away from the game, am I okay with that? And so you talk to people, experts who understand and can give you some insights. And I, I did that. And mm-hmm. to me, that was the best thing that I ever did because it gave me clarity of mind, clarity of thought that once I made that decision, you know, I didn't have to turn back and say, oh, did I make the, the right decision or did I make the wrong right. decision? And for me, it was twofold. It wasn't like, okay, football was my only um, thing that I could, you know, basically have. You know, I was right. preparing for life after football. So I had an opportunity to get involved with Anheuser-Busch and own a, a, a Budweiser distributorship. So when you're thinking about, you know, do I continue to play or do I continue to go mm-hmm. in business? I had those choices. So I had to kind of figure those out. And um, so I think that going and getting help, talking to somebody really gave me that peace of mind, that clarity and that ability to be able to make a good sound decision. But more importantly, Kendall, for me, it was yeah. being able to make that decision on my terms. Right. It's very empowering, isn't it? Right. It's empowering because instead of the team saying, hey, we got to cut you, we got to let you go, right. you know. You know, you're you're saying to them and said, "Hey, I'm retiring. I'm going, you know, moving on to a different phase in my life." And 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 it's empowering to be able to make that decision. So I thank God that He gave me the ability, you know, and the opportunity to right. be able to make that decision and, um, and and be able to walk away from the game with having no regrets. Right? Right. Nothing that I could look back on and say, "Hey, I would have totally did it differently." I wouldn't have. So um, I'm very thankful for that, that I had that opportunity. And it's, it, 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 it made a big difference because I know there's a lot of guys um, that yeah. play the sport that walk away from the game. And they have no direction and, and it's very difficult for them, you know, and you see them and you just, you just go, man, I wish, you know, and, 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 and actually some of the ones who are honest, they'll tell you, man, I wish I would have went and talked to somebody. I wish I would have yeah. went and right. got some help, you know, and so I, I I thank the league now that they're they've opened up those doors of opportunities for former players to be able to have, you know, that ability to be able to go talk to somebody and deal not only with their physical part of their being, but the mental part of their being too. Yeah, you know, there's so much to unpack there because um and what you're saying is, is something that I try to I always tried to keep in mind, which was football is what I do. It's not who I am. At times, you know, the the two can get blurred. But I was fortunate enough, I guess, in in the sense that I made a decision to retire as well uh, when I was asked to still play. And I probably could have scratched out a couple more years. But quite honestly, there were some some mental things going on for me uh, to the degree of, you know, the last six years I've been getting, you know, I go to therapy and I continue the rest of my life. And I have no problem with that. I think it's very important. And you bring it up. Uh, very astutely, which is in this day and age and the mental health, it's so very important just to be open and honest and understand that mm-hmm. the things affect us. And it's, it's, it's not a stigma to go talk to somebody. Quite honestly, uh, you're doing yourself a disservice if you try to keep it inside because eventually you crack. Now, you mentioned one thing that I want to go into is you talked about uh, at Azure Bush, you're with United Beverage. You're still, I, I believe, the managing general partner. You're there. You're probably there right now, quite honestly. I'm yeah. not sure. Uh, yeah. But I was talking about something also, which is cool, is you were, you were, a, you, in 1995, you became a limited ownership partner in, 
and it was then an expansion team in the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, just talk about that experience because uh, that was groundbreaking for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, it was, Kendall. Uh, and, you know, I'm very thankful that I had that opportunity. And that opportunity came because, hey, I retired. I got into yeah. the business. Just happened that one of my friends who owned a distributorship over on the Kansas side um, happened to be friends with a guy by the name of Wayne Weaver. And Wayne yeah. Weaver was looking to get ownership in the league. And he um, he called me up and said, hey, would you like to have an opportunity to be an owner in the National Football League? And um, I said, well, I'd be stupid not to consider that, you know. So um, Pat, this guy, Pat Scherzer, he's no longer with us. Uh, he passed away. But he set up a meeting between Wayne and I. And uh, Wayne flew into town. And I remember this. Like it was yesterday, we go down to Michael Grozo's restaurant down. Oh yeah, and um, and we had had lunch there and talked, and he asked me would I be willing to be a partner uh, with him in this venture. And I didn't know anything about Jacksonville. You know, all the talk at the time was, you know, that um, you know Carolina and St. Louis would be the you know the forerunners of getting an mm -hmm. franchise because. You know, Carolina had Jerry Richardson, and who was a former player, and then uh, played with the Colts. And then um, St. Louis, they had Walter Payton as, you know, the guy that, uh, you know, was part of their ownership group. And, you know, of course, everybody knows Walter. We were friends. And, right. you know, just, you know, Mr. NFL himself, you know, he was just so much of a, a great player in this league and the Hall of Famer and everything. So, you know, you're up against the odds. And so I remember this, um, picking up the phone, calling Roger Goodell. He wasn't the commissioner at the time. He just worked for, um, the commissioner as an assistant and asked him, Hey, what do you know about Wayne Weaver? And he gave me this whole big background and said, Hey, you know, ownership likes him. We think he's going to be an owner in the league. And of course you don't have any idea that, right. you know, Jacksonville is a small market, whether they would get a team and, so I remember going to Chicago when they had the first vote and we went up there and, you know, the league only announced that there was going to be one team that was going to be, um, they were going to pick and that was Carolina because the St. Louis bid for some reason fell apart and they had to bring in a new owner and that was Stan Kroenke. And so that kind of opened the door up for, you know, for us in Jacksonville, the city of Jacksonville. And I will tell you, Kendall, it was one of those things that, you know, it was going to be 30 more days that you had to do something to impress the owners. And mm -hmm. we go back to Jacksonville and Jacksonville, the the community stands up and buys like 10,000 club level seats. And we were. Oh, I remember that. Yes. We were guaranteeing the league a, a huge payout um, for a visiting team share. And I think the other owners going like, OK, you're going to pay us that to come play in your stadium. You know, that was pretty impressive. And. You know, they liked um, Wayne, and I remember setting up a meeting between him and Lamar Hunt and asking Lamar for his support. And and when we went back in a month and uh, we're at the meeting, and I can remember, um, you know, waiting on that decision. And as uh, soon as the commissioner walked out and said the 32nd team would be Jacksonville, I, I mean, it was just like, wow. I, I mean, it was – I would – Never imagine, you know, dreaming that here I would go from 
right. free agent punter to an all pro player to a Chiefs Hall of Famer to now uh, being an owner in the National Football League. You just come full circle. And the first person that when I turned around, I was so excited. The first person I seen was standing behind me, actually watching my reaction was Lamar Hunt. Oh, wow. Big hug and says congratulations on being in the National Football League. So it was it's an experience that I'll never forget in my life because it was so Mm -hmm. and to be, um, you know, an Amer first, I think, to own have ownership in the National Football League at the time was truly um, special for me because being a player and now an owner, yeah, it was um, it was uh, something that I'll never forget, and I'm very grateful, you know, to Wayne Weaver for giving me that opportunity, and um, just can't say enough about you know how it's changed my life and how. Um, it was such a special part of my life. Now we have since sold the team, you know, Mr. Weaver decided mm-hmm. to sell the team and that was fine. But um, I did have that experience and it's something I'll never forget the rest of my life. That is awesome, man. Um, I appreciate you sharing that with us. We haven't even got into a lot of things that we could talk. I think we're going to have to bring you on uh, for an all-core edition at some point yeah. in time. Um, uh, but in the interest of time, and like I said, what we're going to do, we're going to wrap this up. But uh, the last question I have to everybody is, when you look back at your life now uh, in the NFL and everything went on, is there a high that stands out to you and is there a low that stands out to you? Well, the high that stands out to me, I was just, you know, I get a lot of fan mail. So I was, somebody had asked me a question about that. You know, what's your, your greatest NFL moment, right? And Kendall, I, I have to say the greatest NFL moment for me was the first time that I stepped on the field on that uniform. Yeah. In the first, awesome. in my first regular season game, I mean, I don't know about anybody else. I mean, I've I've had games and I had four interceptions in a game, you know. Right. I had a game that had tackles, and you know, I remember being in the locker room when Coach Levy announced that um, uh, it wasn't Coach Levy, but it was Coach. I think it was John McAvick announced that I was going to play in my first Pro Bowl game. So all those yeah. experiences. But I'll tell you this: there is nothing, nothing like your first. NFL game that you're in that locker room and you're suiting up and you know that you've made it to the National Football League. There's nothing else that compares to that moment in life. And everything else to me was just icing on the cake. Uh, But that moment was was amazing to me. And I would say the lowest point was probably... You know, when I got injured seriously for the first time because, you know... When I remember the doctor checking me out in the locker room, um, you know, after the game and basically saying, hey, I think you've got a torn ACL, this, that, new yeah. thing. And I can remember because I had been, you know, nine years in the league and I'd seen a lot of players get hurt. And um, and I knew that that was a defining moment and defining from the standpoint that you're either going to move forward or you're going to just say, I'm done. And I was fortunate enough to have the mentality to say, I'm going to move forward and get this thing well and come back and play um, and be a part of this team. So that was probably my lowest moment. That is awesome. Well, we had a high moment today having you here today. But Ron, uh, your time is limited. I appreciate it. you taking time. We may have to get you on for a, a second version as well. All right. All right.
And this has been Beyond the Game. I'm Kendall Hammond. Look forward to the next time when we go Beyond the Game. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com